1: And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-soda where we could dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry.
2: And I'm Mary Beth. This week, we are talking about a show about a cult, Mm. modern slasher, an incredibly watchable
1: not-good movie,
2: and our first of the aughts remakes.
1: Uh, 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 uh. Uh, I don't know why that was what came to mind, but we're going with it. No, it was appropriate.
2: (laughs) I appreciated it. Um so Terry mm. first tell me about this modern slasher.
1: Yeah. So I uh, it, it's out actually today when this episode drops. It's called Initiation and okay. it takes place on a university um that unravels the night a star athlete is murdered. And Ooh. the movie starts out like the first 30 minutes of this movie feels like It could be a drama about sorority and fraternity life. It starts at this party where this, one of the, you know, I I guess in sororities they have the the big sister and the little sister. And the Mm -hmm. little sister um, ends up getting a little too uh, wasted and ends up passed out in a room with two frat guys.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ. And one of the
1: frat guys is actually... The brother of that sister's soror big sorority sister, so they're actually brother and sister. He's a star okay. athlete, an Olympic hopeful that uh, wants to become an Olympic swimmer. She is like worried because she goes looking for her little sister, finds her passed out in the room, finds him sort of like wasted in the corner, and then there's this other guy. She gets her out and then finds out that. She doesn't the little the the little sister does not really remember anything that happens, but she thinks that maybe something did happen okay and of course it happens to be the big sister's brother that is in the room and there's also something that happened apparently in the previous year that this might not be an isolated incident then someone dies one of the 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 fraternity guys dies in a very vicious uh attack where he's literally like nailed to or actually drilled to the wall with like a a power drill oh yeah and it's very this movie is very bloody but it kind of actually subverts the expectation of like sorority girls running through you know a house from a killer because um a lot of the victims are men in this
0: movie
2: Oh, interesting, yes, okay,
1: um, unfortunately, for me, the reveal of the killer didn't kind of lost a little bit of an impact because while I didn't guess who it was, I immediately knew kind of the rationale behind it and the reasoning mm-hmm. for the slayings. It sort of is well constructed okay. in that regard, and that like you understand why it is and there's actually kind of an air of tragedy to the way it is revealed at the very end but it's okay. it's a beautifully shot modern day slasher it's written by three people and you can kind of tell but like one of the mm-hmm. writers is actually um her it's it's her name is, is it Lindsay? Yes, Lindsay Lavanchi who plays yeah. the main character the sister of the the, the fraternity oh. brother. So she's an actress and she's also one of the the, the three writers of this script. And you can kind of tell there is sort of um an inversion of of what you would expect. And I would say that this film is in some ways um very feminist uh even though like there's a lot of men attached to uh, as the director and the writers, I think that her voice kind of does shine through here. Oh. it's it's a I think it's a it's a well-constructed, it's a solid slasher, it's really gory, um, it has a social conscious message to it in some ways. I think it's kind of smart. Fuck yeah. That sounds really awesome, actually. I would be very down.
2: Because like, I've seen, there was like, what, The Pledge was a couple years ago mm-hmm. from IFC Midnight, Then there was The Most Recent Black Christmas. Yeah. And I do. I think it is really interesting to have these like a little bit more nuanced takes on Greek life and the cult, like the kind of gross rape culture that goes on within there, and like toxic masculinity. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know if that's all in this movie, right. but I'm always so interested when more more like recent movies take place within that
1: setting. Yeah, and I I don't think it completely ties it together in a okay a, in a very you know, punchy way to assert yeah. what it's talking about. But I will say that I think, I think if you are approaching this as a typical slasher, you might be kind of bored in the first 30 minutes. I thought it was very fascinating because it's actually a very interesting story about this woman and her brother um, and her like trying to figure out what does he know? What did he do something? And that kind of pull of like trying to protect your sister, quote unquote, sister from your sorority, while knowing that your blood relation might have done something bad. And so there's that kind of pull that sort of leads it in the very beginning. And I found it very interesting and very enthralling to watch, but it doesn't like literally, I think it's 30 or 40 minutes in before the first kill happens. So, oh, okay. Okay. But that was a, that's initiation. And again, it's out today, um, to rent on VOD. So cool. Um, what about you and this show about a cult?
2: Okay, so Steve and I have gotten very much into this show. It's on Netflix. It's called Leah Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that that was, I, I've not heard of that. I mean, I know obviously I could figure out what it's about, but I don't think I've heard, I knew that that was a thing.
2: It is tragic. Yeah. So Steve and I, like on a whim, we saw it on Netflix. We watch a lot of true crime stuff, and this came up on our recommended, and I thought, and we, like, oh, Scientology, like we, we think cult, we watch a lot of cult stuff. So we thought, oh, like, why not? You know, we've heard a lot about Leah, Rem- Leah Remini and et cetera, et cetera. So this show, we've, we just finished the first season. There are three seasons.
1: Oh, okay. Wow.
2: So I know, right? So the first season is about her and Mike Rinder, who was another high up person in Scientology, who they've left Scientology. They're interviewing people who have left the church and what it meant for them to leave the church and what this like the consequences were oh. and also and so it's like you learn all about how Scientology helped empire private investigators to stalk you they'll like slander your name and like send letters to your neighbors after you left Scientology calling you a pervert mm. and like the smear campaigns that they do after you've left the church because you're speaking poorly about the church and so I knew what Scientology was, mm-hmm. but I don't think I really understood like the depth of the like horrific tactics, manipulation tactics they use. And so that was just the first season. And now the second season is getting into like the sexual abuse. I oh. have not started that one yet. But it's really actually quite well done. Leah Remini I, don't, I didn't really know much about her, but she's a. she is, like, very honest in the show, and I love that. Like, she's very emotional. She's very, like, intense and very much, like, she's doing this for good, not for, like, hey, I, I'm an actress and, like, I'm going to do this thing. It's, like, she wants to fuck Scientology right back. And she's trying to share these stories to raise awareness about Scientology isn't just a joke and Tom Cruise jumping on a couch, mm. but, like, it's systematically destroying lives of, like, thousands of people. So damn it's actually really quite good it's hour long episodes on netflix if you have it it's also on i think it's also on hulu and discovery plus it's like it's pretty easy to watch so i'd recommend that especially if you're looking for a true crime thing a docu series something that's like culty i i think it's really well done and interesting it's heavy though i mean as these often are but like this is just very heavy stuff about families being separated but that's been like the show we're binging <laughs> <laughs> for the past couple of days i've been I told Terry this before I started recording. I'm working on two chapters for two separate books, the <sighs> found footage chapter for um, the new House of Leaves book and then another chapter on Queering the Vampire for an, a, another book called Queering the Vampire. This is a shameless plug. So I've been writing those, like my deadlines were this week. So I've been writing those nonstop. So I haven't really been watching. I've just been doing a lot of writing and looking at books and trying to remember what it means to put
1: words down on a page. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's was like... I don't know what this means anymore, so.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, so I'm very excited. That is, I mean, I still have to edit them eventually, but that's not my problem right now. All I know (laughs) is that I have sent them into the appropriate people, Mm -hmm. and they are in the right hands.
1: That's awesome. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy, and I'm so tired, but it's worth it. But anyway, enough about my shenanigans. You also... (laughs) I think I know what this is. The incredibly watchable, not good movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, was, I was, before I watched this movie, I was going to briefly talk about The Blob because uh, I did watch the original Blob and the remake, uh, but I didn't want to really talk about it too much because I'm going to be, uh, I want a, a po- episode of the Psychoanalysis podcast that's airing next week. So Woo. shameless plug for me to go listen to that. Uh, next Thursday so I'm glad that I watched this movie and I watched it at the uh pushing of well gentle gentle pushing of Joe Lipset of the horror queers because he's been kind of somewhat evangelizing this film because (laughs) it's one of those movies that makes baffling choices it's not good but it's incredibly watchable it is it's on Netflix it premiered I think last week And it's called Things Heard and Seen.
2: I read Joe's review Mm -hmm. and it was the beautiful chef's kiss, like an amazing negative review that was made me want to watch the movie. Yeah. (laughs) And then then everyone started tweeting about it. I was like, this (laughs) is terrible. I cannot wait
1: to watch it. I I mean, I love that just the title of, of his review is, is that it's a must watch, not good, compulsively entertaining thriller. And I kind of agree with that assessment to be perfectly honest. So it's about, Oh, what is it about? It is about. <laughs> what is it about? <laughs> it's about okay. It's about this married couple, uh, played by Amanda Seafried and that car, a car with no muffler. <laughs> uh, uh, her husband, played by oh, the hunk of dude James Norton. This man.
2: Ooh, he's oh, so he he's so pretty. He's so good of looking beautiful body and face his
1: face is really nice i love his hair and he has an impeccable body i love him
2: don't you see his butt in this movie you do
1: see his butt in this movie it's (laughs) very unsexy unfortunately and he's a he's a dick
2: well well so
1: okay so he gets this job at this local college and they move into this new kind of farmhouse way for away from the city life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it appears to be haunted. And their daughter sees a woman in in her room, and there's like you know general ghost movie buffoonery happening with like creaky noises, shadows, you know stuff like that. And then it kind of veers into an infidelity thriller where he starts to oh. like have an affair with um a student played by the girl woman young adult from uh stranger things why is this not natalie uh, natalia dyer
2: oh yeah 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 okay um sister of one of them yes why did i just forget everyone's name in stranger <laughs> <laughs>
1: well because like it hasn't been on the air for like two years now isn't it isn't it i think oh, yeah
2: it has been, two it, years. It's been
1: delayed so long from covid yeah, because I thought I th- thought like season what four was supposed to come out last year, and then yeah, it got delayed, yeah. and who knows when it's coming out now. But yeah, so she plays a student. He kind of like shows his interest into her, and so it has that, and then it has like this ghost territory that kind of feels a little reminiscent, without being spoilery, a little reminiscent of like what lies beneath. Um, And then there's also like a religious angle that gets introduced. And it's like so many subgenres all rolled into one mishmash of a movie. And it's one of those kinds of movies where it has such a weird energy and pacing that halfway through the nearly two hour runtime, I thought, I have no idea what this movie is about or where it's going. And then it starts to like kind of hit the the kind of beats that you expect. And even though like I, I knew I was like, oh well this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen. It still did him in intriguing ways that kind of surprised me, even though I wasn't surprised. It's such a weird movie.
2: Okay. Yeah, I need to um watch this film because it sounds like an enigma, a beautiful enigma.
1: Yeah, it's it's wild. And it's based on a novel by Elizabeth Brundage, apparently, called All Things okay. Cease to Appear, which is An equally confounding title as the film. So, I mean, (laughs) good for that there, I guess. But it's on Netflix. It's kind of weird and wild and not good, but compulsively entertaining, as Joe said in his review. So, yeah, I recommend it. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I will be watching it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts when you do. (laughs) I
2: can't wait. Um, Okay. So now let's talk about our first of our Ots oh, remake journey, because holy shit, I have so many thoughts.
1: I have been so excited to talk to you about this one. What are we watching, Mary Beth? Or what did we watch, Mary Beth?
2: <laughs> we watched the remake of The Hills Have Eyes from 2006, <laughs> directed by Alexandra Aja. And- Wow, 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 wowie, wow, wow. <laughs> I had ne- okay, I had never seen it, which is why mm-hmm. I'm reacting like this. I have never seen this movie.
0: It's and a lot, uh, isn't it? It's,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so much. It so much happens in this movie. I like I don't even know where to begin.
1: I mean, ostensibly it is about a family that's going on a road trip that gets that falls prey to a group of mu- mutant cannibals in a desert. Uh, I mean, that's like...
2: That's like the, the long and short
1: of it. basic.
2: <laughs> yes. But boy, oh boy, it's so much more than that. Um, Just so everyone knows, the man who plays the father of this family <laughs> is played by Ted Levine, who played Buffalo Bill in The Silence of the Lambs.
1: Yeah, it's true. What?
2: <laughs> he looks unidentifiable <laughs> just so everyone it's the knows voice.
1: it's the voice for me that like that like drew me back in I was like his voice it, it has such a timber to it I was like
2: yeah I didn't even think of but yeah
1: and it has a uh, you know Vanessa Shaw from Hocus Pocus in it
2: I, the, the cast is so very early 2000 or like aughts I feel like okay but I also Terry I don't even know what to talk about <laughs> So, this is the most post-9-11 horror film I've ever fucking seen in my entire yep.
1: life. Yep.
2: Like, there is a point where a man stabs a cannibal through the head with an American flag. With an
1: American flag.
2: There's a moment where a man walks through the flames with triumphant music playing, and he's holding a baby, a shotgun, and a fucking German shepherd on a chain, on a chain leash. Yep. It is the most, like... Fuck America, but also Look at America Coming Back Together movie.
1: Mm. And
2: it is like it's so obvious that it I love it. You know what I mean? Like it's the music changes from like this kind of like the score is pretty interesting. I actually like the score for most of the film. Yeah. And at the end, when they start like fighting back, it turns into triumphant, like Western-esque music yes. where it's like bow, 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 look, the white man's back to save everybody. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> But then also there's this commentary about how the nuclear testing in the deserts of New Mexico are why these people are this way, and they wouldn't leave their homes, so they did the nuclear testing, and now everything has gone to shit.
1: Yes, what I love about that, by the way, is the, the title sequence where um, it's played by a song. I believe it's called More and More by uh, Webb Pierce. Mm-hmm. And the song is using More and More and Forgetting the Past. And it starts mm-hmm. with like this sort of 1950s style, my cake is ready, coming out of the oven, mm-hmm. intercut with like, as she's blowing out the candles, intercut with like an atomic blast. Yeah. And then there's um, bits of nuclear blast montage coupled with birth effects and mutations and a lot of effects of of nuclear um you know testing that coupled with that song is such an interesting thing about how america's society forgets about the atrocities that <laughs> that american society puts on its own people whether that's the people that lived here before us the people that are currently living here all of that and how much it is a self constructed trauma and that montage in the beginning just really like i f- i feel for me sets the tone of this movie
2: it 100 percent does it definitely does and you know we're destined to repeat our mistakes as well and like you know it's unfortunately very relevant today still of the things that we keep doing to people that live here or have lived here people who are immigrants that live like it's sadly relevant now but the other thing the one the, <laughs> the one thing i was very interested in is the dad character Big Bob, (laughs) and then the brother-in-law, the only person in this movie who is not part of this family, his name is, fuck, what is his name?
1: His name is Doug. Doug.
2: So there's Bobby, who is, like, gun-toting, rootin' tootin', white dad, who drives a truck and loves to go camping, and, like, will do anything to protect his family, like, he's a cop. And then there's Doug, who works for a telecommunications company, and who they say to him, he's just mad because he's a Democrat. And so very much off the bat there is this tension between conservatives and democrats and guess who wins at the who guess who survives the democrats <laughs> which is so fu- like i hated doug at the very beginning oh, which yeah. is just so funny he's so insufferable he's so annoying he's like fuck your sister and he's smoking a cigarette and like um they're the air the renovated airstream trailer that they're driving oh,
1: he is he is the epitome of like that kind of toxic masculinity that we see in the at the beginning of the 2000s like yeah absolutely
2: exactly exactly and yet he's the one that triumphs I just have so many thoughts and feelings about representations of masculinity in this movie and it's it's just like an infinitely fascinating film that is so mean it oh. is so so fucking mean.
1: Yes, it is incredibly mean. And I'll, I'll be honest, the first like fifty three minutes is a slow burn of ranking tension.
2: <gasps> yes. Okay. But I'm glad like, you brought this up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is so fucking. I watching this this time. I w- I forgot how long it takes to get to the part where uh, Big Bob is. <laughs> crucified-ish in flames. <laughs> lit on, on a...
2: fucking fire. I screamed when that happened.
1: Yes. But like that moment leading up to that is such a slow burn of perfectly executed tension where it's like mm-hmm. things just start to like slowly go wrong and continually go wrong. And it's the moment at the gas station when he walks up to it and the guy blows his head off. And then all of a sudden you hear, Daddy.
2: I... <gasps>
1: screamed yeah like i also
2: screamed exactly hit like my that, stomach that's what everything like there's like a huge mark shift there like oh my god like this is exactly like these are the kind of people like they're fucking with them it's like it's a it's now it's a mind it's like a mind game it's not just killing but like fucking with
1: you Who. And then there's the moment where, uh, I can't remember if it's Bobby or if it's Doug, runs in the trailer and says, Brenda, watched the baby.
2: <laughs> Terry, thank you so much, because I was so upset <laughs> at that line.
1: Yes, Brenda watched the baby, and he doesn't realize that Brenda is being sexually assaulted, or had just been, or is about to, I she's can't a, remember I which. I believe
2: she's about to be, I think one of the guys is holding her down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she is about to be sexually assaulted and it's they so just, upsetting it's so upsetting i like i got oh my god but like purposefully so like this movie is so deeply upsetting and it knows how to be deeply upsetting
1: what surprises me is that you, you think about the when is the last time that you saw like a studio produced film that is this nasty you know what i mean
2: yeah yeah, you're right, because I'm trying to think. I'm like, most of the movies I watch are not studio, like big studio produced.
1: Right. There are a lot of, like, you know, very independent films and whatnot. Whereas this one had like a wide release. You know, it had a big budget. It, it grossed a lot of money. It's like a big picture release at that time. And it is disgusting. It is mean. It is vile. It is like, oh
2: it's full and it's fascinating because that was the kind of movie that got made in that time like i like we're gonna look at these movies from the aughts like had wide releases and they were this is why i didn't see how like tales of eyes and a lot of these other films because It was, like, that torture porn era, and that was before I was, like, really into... I was into horror, but, like, was a snob about gore and whatever. But, like, Saw and Hostel and this movie, like, torture porn was, like, the thing, and people were paying money to go see it, and studios were paying a lot of fucking money to make them. Yeah. It's fascinating.
1: And you think about... I, I mean, this was produced by Searchlight Pictures, and you think about... Um, That you know they used to be 20th century, right? And you mm-hmm. think about the movies that that they come out with now. I mean, they you know they produced in the in the intervening years, The Shape of Water. They mm-hmm. you know produce like this year, The Night House and Antlers is coming out. So like they do horror, but it's not of this. I don't want to say caliber, but like of this meanness. You know what I mean? Yeah, they it's they like, do
2: like it's like more they try to do like higher brow, like what they perceive as higher brow horror. Mm-hmm. That's like a little bit more like heady rather than gory
1: yeah it's it's wild to me
2: (laughs) something else i was gonna say about this movie but i forgot
1: the well the thing that um you kind of mentioned a little you were talking a little bit about doug and Mm -hmm. what i did appreciate about this movie is how much shit it puts doug through i love a horror movie that puts its its uh protagonist through the ringer and Doug goes through a whole lot of shit to to you know get out of this alive. The the moment that I that had been seared in my mind since I saw this in the movie theater is when he gets knocked out and he wakes up and he is locked in a freezer or a refrigerator <gasps> which is like <laughs> body parts. <laughs> it's so disgusting and it's so goopy and gross and absolutely claustrophobic and terrifying and that scene has like lingered in my in my mind since I saw this in the theater. That was really awful.
2: I think that's also I have like I don't necessarily claustrophobic, but like that co- like idea of being trapped in something like that. But well, I gotta think the is smell,
1: funny.
2: Terry. I could not stop thinking about the smell. Like when he there's a point when they're walking through like it's like it looks like a meat shop Ugh. workshop, nasty. And I was just like, how badly does that smell? Like how badly does this entire place just stink of? rancid blood and rotten flesh like
1: Mm i mean because it's in the desert there's no ac like there's just fans everything is so sweaty that refrigerator is obviously not on (laughs) it's like i just i can't imagine it it brings me back it kind of brings it back to the original texas chainsaw massacre and like the the movie that you can like sort of smell through the screen yes smell a
2: vision as i have started to say (laughs) a bunch when we watch movies yeah also, another point in this movie that I just wanted to bring up briefly is when Doug is talking to one of the the citizens, he was in a wheelchair, and he's mm. kind of telling them, like, y'all, he's saying to Doug, your people, like, abandon us, blah, 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 like, kind of doing that little bit of, like, um like a info dump a little bit.
0: But mm-hmm. then he
2: just pauses and goes, it's breakfast time. And then a giant <laughs> man bursts through the fucking window with an axe. And it is just, wow this movie is full of weird one-liners like that. Like there's like mm. before they set the dad on fire, they say something. I don't know if it just lighted up or what, but like there are moments where they'll say little liners like this. And then there'll just be a huge shock and like action fight sequence. And it is, it really is well-crafted in that way.
1: I'm, I'm so thankful that Wes Craven got together with Alexandra Ajax. I, I believe what I remember, if I remember correctly, Wes Craven Um wanted him to do this film and gave him like the permission to like remake it i think after seeing high tension
2: good because i swear to god i don't know who else could have remade this as like i haven't seen the original one but like this has got the aja meanness
1: all mm. over it yeah it does and you know i i think this is one of those rare cases where the remake is better than the original you said you haven't oh, seen the original i have not
2: seen the original now I-
1: it's not my favorite of Wes Craven's films. Okay. Granted, I've not seen it a whole lot. I might have seen it maybe once, maybe twice in my life, but it's not one that if I'm going to pull out a Wes Craven film, I'm not going to go gravitate to that. Yeah. I'd much rather watch this remake than that original film.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: But, hmm. man. This movie is really
2: good. And I like. I don't know. I thought was, I, I was very surprised by how much I liked this movie.
1: Yeah. It's and really it holds well holds up, done. I think. I think it, it holds up. It does.
2: It holds up. The one thing I did wish is they did more of the cannibalism. I know that sounds fucked up. I know. But they only have one moment of cannibalism. Yeah. And maybe there could have been more. I sound like a psychopath.
1: <laughs>
2: I wish they had eaten more people.
1: Why didn't they eat the baby? I'm kidding. Oh my god.
2: I don't think my I don't think my heart could have handled that one. I would have been like, this was not in theaters. There's no way that anyone paid money to go see this movie. Like, no fucking way. I'm too Uh, used to watching fucked up shit from, like, other countries or independently made where I'm like, the baby is going to explode in, like, two
1: seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you you even texted me. He's like, I don't like that there's a baby in this. Like, I was like, like I've seen too
2: many movies recently where, like, something bad happens to a baby. And I'm like, maybe I should stop watching those kinds (laughs) of movies.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, jeez.
2: Well, anyway. But, yeah. Okay. So that was... The Hills have Eyes. Oh, have you seen The Hills Have Eyes 2? I have not seen The Hills Have Eyes 2. Oh. Okay.
1: So bad.
2: Okay. In my opinion,
1: it is really I bad.
2: Figured it feels like The only those-
1: the only thing I remember about it, I don't remember exactly the the way it, it unfolds, but there is someone that is like stuffed in an outhouse toilet that's like full of shit. Oh,
2: ew. Ugh. That's like
1: that and it's about military. Like the I think the, oh. the victims are military members. That is literally all I remember about the film just being grossed out by the outhouse scene and thinking it was not a good movie. <laughs> and that it was about military. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, all says, I remember. Yeah, it
2: says it's a National Guard trainees. Okay. okay. That's like I don't really know anything about it either. I just know it's like similar Place. I saw it in
1: theaters because I loved the first one so much and was like, "I hated this movie." <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's aged better. You know, some movies people tend to find appreciation for later, but I have no desire to revisit it.
2: Yep. All right, I will not. Re- wa- I will not watch it. <laughs> so, what are we watching for next week's episode for our Odds remakes?
1: Ooh, I'm so excited to rewatch this one, and I'm so- and you haven't seen it before. Uh, no. We are seeing 2005's House of Wax remake, uh, which is so good. Uh. I'm
2: so excited, especially because there's been a big resurgence of people talking about it on um, on the timeline mm-hmm. on Twitter. And so I know that Paris Hilton is in it, which I'm excited for. And that's really all I know. And I've seen a couple gifs of like melting people, and oh. I'm very excited to the watch. The
1: effects this and remake. this are really good. I'm so excited to revisit it. And
2: the guy who directed House of Wax directed Orphan Camp masterpiece from 2009.
1: It's true. It's so true. He's good. He's this. This movie's great. I can't wait. I'm so excited.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's my excited sound. (laughs) I love it. I'm here for (laughs) it.
1: Okay, but who are we talking to on, <laughs> on Monday, Mary Beth?
2: <laughs> oh, i lost that's, that's all faculties <laughs> of thought and speech. We are talking to amazing artist Andrew Lussain. You've probably mm. seen some of his amazing art on shoes. He does custom shoes. And we are talking to him about Tales from the Dark Side, the movie.
1: <gasps> Spoiler Yay probably my favorite of the anthologies of that of that decade uh and this was a fun conversation
2: yeah it was awesome to talk to andrew and hear about all of his art and his process and horror so you won't want to miss the episode
1: yeah it's gonna be great
2: okay listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you did you watch one of the films that we talked about this week and have thoughts do you have suggestions for one of the aughts remakes that we should talk about send us an email at scarred for life podcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on twitter i am at mb mcandrews
1: and i'm at gaily dreadful
2: and of course don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast
1: and please don't forget to review rate and subscribe
2: Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
0: A profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you small-town dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.COM